Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next podcast here at Treknababble. This is Kevin. This is Matthew. And uh, tonight we are reviewing... I normally have notes in front of me. What was this one called? It was another long-ass title. <laughs> yeah. Another long-ass title by Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> it's uh, Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad. That is a which long was, one. It's a long title. It, it's kind of a reference to a line of dialogue, but not a direct reference. So I get the impression that the, the writers were just like, oh, I love that line that I had to cut, you know. So let's use it as a title. Is it a quote um, from something else? Is it Shakespeare no, or something? I, I don't think so. I guess I can look it up. Magic to make the sanest man go mad. Uh, all the results are Star Trek, so I'm okay. guessing not. Okay, so let's let's just dig in. Um, uh, well, maybe it's from Homer. Uh, hold on. <laughs> Let me load it, because now I really have to know. Uh, in the Iliad... Uh, there is the heat of love, the pulsing rush of longing, the lover's whisper, irresistible, magic to make the sanest man go mad. Okay. Okay. Deep cut, guys. Um, okay. Uh, well, first off, yeah. I mean, I, I, we, I could just you know go through my notes yeah. chronologically. There was no teaser. That was odd. I thought about that. Um, I decided... If they were going to do a teaser, it would have to be the entire first loop. Yeah. There was there was no place to cleave it. Um, it wasn't so. The the obvious callback here is uh, cause and effect. I think. Yes. <laughs> um, so I'll get to that in a second. But so it's like cause and effect starts with the tail of a loop rather than the loop in its entirety. Yeah. Um, so I I don't mind the lack of teaser. It did not. I mean it. But what of the fact that they filled the teaser with, with, with the just previous more release? fucking recap? I mean, do it, is someone starting this series on this episode at this point? Can they just dispense with the goddamn recap? We don't need it. We are intelligent Star Trek fans. Anyone who is watching and is still watching to this point is an intelligent Star Trek fan. You don't need to recapitulate... It's only six episodes, too. It's not like they're recapping four seasons or something. Jesus. Uh, you know, it, yeah. it's starting to irritate me. No, I mean, I get it. It's, it's, I mean, you watch it in a binge sense. You know, it's like there's no need to know all the previous lays. Um, well, I, I'm watching it once a week, and I still remember <laughs> what happened in the first two episodes. Yeah. You know, I don't need you to hold my hand through the whole thing, you know? I'm an intelligent adult person with a college degree. I can follow a TV show. Rough day, man. And, and it just it no look. It just <laughs> it takes time away from what I want. Yeah, yeah. Which is good story. You know, it, it, it's my beef against the whole serialized nature of the thing. You know, they spend so much time in scene recapping things from prior scenes that the scene itself doesn't have as much content. You know, it's like this recursive loop. And by the by the time we're at the final episode, nothing will be happening because everything will just have to remind us of what happened in the prior 14. Mm -hmm. It's just I'm over it. You know, just move on. That said, <laughs> this is by far like the most complete story. Yeah, it's the least it's the least entrant into the to the series to the serial. Um, Which raises the question why they needed the recap in the first place. This could have stood alone. Yeah. I you, mean, you I guess could've. you needed to know that Mud was in prison with them, but they say it so many times. They say it on screen. They say they have a fancy, you know, mushroom drive that the Klingons want. You have enough information within the episode to enjoy the episode. So it was just superfluous. Uh, anyway. We can move on. Um, yeah, I, I will say, given that the first thing you think about in a time loop episode is other time loop episodes, and the, the, the pinnacle was cause and effect, I like the way they perforated that presentation. 
Um, I like that the crew figures out that someone on the crew knows they're in a loop from the second loop. Um, well, I mean, you know, Stamets is basically Gyna eh. as far as that goes. But I, I mean, I, I'm ha- had it just been another retread of Burnham and Tyler going through the loop with a vague sense that they'd gone through the loop before and figuring out how to break it with no one retaining memory, that would have felt too much like cause and effect. So I think they did a good job of mixing up the problem to keep it interesting. Um, I agree. Yeah, I like... I like that where this... Ep- like, And going back to cause and effect again, which I'm not even going to apologize for doing, so I'm just going to do it a lot this episode. Um, Beverly's concerns in that episode are given credence because of the history between the two... Uh, between the crew. Like, Picard knows to take her seriously. There's... Not only has there not been enough time for those bonds to form, with some of the crew members, those bonds are not going to form. So it's not like TNG where Stamets could walk into any of the crew members and say, here's what's going on, and on faith, any crew member would go along for the ride. Um, So the character work to convince Burnham and then convince Tyler through Burnham, again, acknowledging they only have half an hour to do it, was an interesting kind of twist on the timeline thing because by making the loop only 30 minutes, you prevent, like, it, it wouldn't make, if they were going to be there a whole day, um, like they, or days, like they were in cause and effect, it would make sense that statements would eventually figure out a way to convince Tyler directly to cough up any information he may have about uh, Mud's capacities. Um, but what I actually like is, uh, I've said this before, you can have the world's most balls crazy setup um as long if you use it to tell or explore or expand the character story i'll i'll go along for the ride uh and they did that here since by the end of the episode you see burnham taking increasing baby steps into emotional awareness and relationships with the people around her i continue to be very sad at what i am increasingly certain is the forthcoming reveal that ash is a klingon because they have pretty good chemistry yeah Um, yeah like i like watching them together um and yes and they keep dropping what i think they think are subtle hints but it's just not fucking subtle at all yeah uh justin roy it was either dan Harmon or justin royal and one of the two guys who do um rick and morty you can't do surprises anymore especially in serialized science fictiony anything because the the internet is like an infinite computer Everyone on the internet is going to come up with a fan theory, and just by the law of numbers, one of them, even if it's for the dumbest reason and without an actual basis, is going to guess correctly what your twist is on the sparsest of evidence. I really wish to, like, I want to, like, kill J.J. Abrams and stuff his corpse in the mystery box, because the mystery box is no longer interesting to the extent it ever was. The, like, there is a, the infinite computing power of all of the internet and all of the nerds is sussing out your mysteries through brute force guessing from the first frame of film. So you're not going to fool them. You can't. There's too many people guessing for all of them to guess wrong. So just don't try. Give me some other interesting story. Like watching this woman raised by Vulcans explore human emotions, which are super complicated, is interesting and doesn't require a twist. Yeah. Um, so let, let's talk more about the um, time mechanics of things. So I agree that the idea of having to make people figure things out in 30 minutes is interesting. Um, the execution, to my mind, left a bit to be desired. There were definite instances during the plot where... I thought to myself, wait, how could they know this? Have they had enough time to know this? How did this person convince this other person of this thing? There, there were also times where my understanding is that Stamets retains memories, okay, because of his whatever, the vertical DNA integration or whatever, right? Mud does not retain memories. He has a single unbroken sort of time path that just happens to, you know, go back 30 minutes each time. Is that the impression you got? 
Yeah. Like he like it's like ground groundhog day for him. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like so he is experiencing in sequence all of these 30 minute loops. It's not that he's retaining memories and he's a new person each time. It's like he's literally going back 30 minutes each time. But then in one of the loops, Mud dies. And I'm like, "Huh?" No, he if just he... got he just got shot. He wasn't dead. Uh, did they did they establish that on screen? Yeah, he he moved. Uh It it was pretty wishy-washy. And also this this thing, it's like we have 30 minutes before the ship is destroyed. But not in every loop did Mud do the thing that destroyed the ship. So it's not like the ship was bound to be destroyed each time, and yet the loop reset each time with the destruction of the ship. And it's like, I get that you're doing the destruction of the ship for like dramatic purpose and to make it interesting and to you know, do neat angles of the explosion and whatever. Like, and that all looked fine, and I, it was interesting. But it just... Well, in the scene after... Why Mur- would Mud destroy it each time? He can just go back. He doesn't have to destroy it each time. And it seems to, you know, just raise the risk of him being caught in one of the destructions. Well, he know? was. And he, like when after Burnham commits suicide to like coerce him into resetting the time loop volitionally, the ship explodes. It's like he sets off the explosion. They could have clarified the exp- like in cause and effect. Did he set a bomb or something? Yeah, well, he each, had a, he had a bomb time? in the first one. Um, he definitely had a bomb in the first one when he's on the screen and says, we'll be here again and sets off the bomb that destroys everyone. Um, I think they, how did he get this bomb into, is it the bomb in the space whale or what? Like, I, don't, I it looks like it was a clicky pen, like in the, like yeah, golden eye. There's, there's just a lot of stuff that was not explained. The, the only, th- the, the two things that bothered me were the way they shorthanded Burnham helping in the later sequences made it look like she retained memories. Yes, they eventually yes, cla- yes, yes. they clarify she did not because she sa- says specifically Stamets told me we danced in one of the timelines and obviously she has no recollection of that. So they, it, I, I think they just it was an editing problem that it's pretty fudgy. It, we were supposed to take as read that every time he the loop restarted he just walked up to her disclosed her secret and convinced her to help right away and then there were a couple and maybe this is my bias from being a tng viewer if a crew member tells you we are stuck in a time loop we need to act right now to save the ship let's get going you just go they kept dancing a couple of times and it was like a weird like you have 28 and a half 28 29 28 28 you have increasingly fewer minutes to solve this problem and you're still standing here talking and that well, was like and a- they were talking as if they were learning things or something. But the only way that could be useful is if they then disclosed those things to Stamets, who then yeah. remembered them, and then also had time in the succeeding loops to relay that information. It, and it, yeah, it, yeah, it, it, a few of the finer, and I, I'm going to chalk it up to editing almost more than writing. Like the way they cut those scenes together, I think is what created those problems. I will say, I, their ultimate solution felt clever and fun in an enjoyable way and no one died there were some pretty horrific deaths this time um yeah so so on he, that let me ask was was Lorca supposed to were, was that a veron t disruptor given the way Lorca <laughs> died yeah that i actually wrote that in my notes like if that's supposed to be a reference obviously it's much bigger which i guess is fine since yeah. it's 100 we are nerds <laughs> um um so uh, now, what did you just say leading up to that, Kevin? Oh, uh, I like the, the 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 solution. The is solution. Sol- yeah. Okay. I you know, mm, I felt the solution was okay. Th- there, there's two aspects to the Harry Mudd story uh, that sort of irked me. One is that Harry Mudd is like a murderous psychopath now, you know, and I I I held my judgment out i was like wow he's killing a lot of people but maybe you know because he sees this as not being real it doesn't matter well, i was, to him th- I, I was thinking of westworld uh like when you know the robots are robots you would kill them indiscriminately in a way that looks horrifying because they look like people and it's still a little weird but i did ask wonder that like would he have been as cavalier if, if he knew it every time it was for keeps 
Well, but then in the last one that he thought was for keeps, that's he true. still did murder people. Yeah, that's so true. I, I was distressed a bit by the apparent dark mud characterization. Well, okay, uh, to be fair, just to play um, devil's advocate, I think the only person he killed in the penultimate loop was Ash when Ash made a move to stop him. Now, it's still murder. It's, it's unquestionably murder. It is less gleefully indiscriminate murder than was being portrayed in the previous cycles. Well, but he was still, you know, willing to consign yeah. Yeah, all yeah. Of these people to, you know, grisly fortunes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in a way that just didn't seem consistent with yeah. Harry Mudd. Um, what I enjoyed about the story, I liked how I liked Burnham's solution. Like, she would be a get for the Klingons. And if she forces, if she takes herself out of the equation, she forces him to reset the loop. That that made sense. That was clever and makes sense th- for the character. I thought it was clever the way she did it. I it, I guess it hinges on you believing that Mud believes she's yeah. well that she's more valuable. Uh, that that he would give up a sure thing in exchange for. Uh, maybe thing, you know. I that's does consistent. mud really? No, that's consistent but, but, with the well, other mud, mud portrayals. Does mud really think that this person is more valuable to the Klingon Empire than this ship that's apparently like eating their lunch and handing it to them, and you know, is single-handedly winning the war? I it just it doesn't seem like a very rational. Uh, estimation i think it's in i think it's in keeping with what we have been shown about the klingons for better for worse yeah maybe so um the other aspect and so you know going back to harry mudd's apparent you know murderous rage uh he says it's motivated by stella which is then later belied you know by how the plot develops like you weren't actually all that into her or something um and so his motivation for, for being murderous and angry isn't really there. I mean, yes, he was in a prison or whatever, but he seemed to be doing pretty okay in the prison before Lorca got there. You know, it's, it, it just... Then, so the resolution. <clears throat> it felt extremely quick. Extremely quick. And kind of out of the realm of the abilities or the knowledge of the people involved to figure all that stuff out. Yeah, and, and I they try that, to, they, they try to like, ex- you didn't disable the computer. Ha ha ha. It's like, wait, when did you have time to look all that shit up? You know, it was it within those 30 minutes or after the 30 minutes or what? Uh, and it, 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 just, it seemed very cute. It was a cutesy ending, but honestly it felt of a piece with like I mud, which also well, had a cutesy ending. Yeah, so so that I agree with. It was more like the prior mud stories, the way they ended it on the comedic note. But within this show, the other two hours of Harry Mud have been almost completely bereft. Maybe that was the maybe that was a choice they should have made earlier to tone it down. Like maybe Harry walks on with a bomb strap to his chest and he sets it off if they get too close to succeeding in stopping him. But I agree. The indiscriminate killing is a bit of a tonal shift and also some pretty gruesome depictions of said deaths. Um it it yeah. I I agree with those criticisms. They didn't derail the episode for me because what we got was a fairly reasonably paced time loop episode, which I I love a good time loop. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, no, I agree. I've always enjoyed these kinds of stories, and I think it was in the main successful for two reasons. One is that there were no Klingons. At yeah. all. Yeah, not even... Yeah, they didn't even show up. There was a yet. mention of them, but they never showed up. They never talked. You know, <laughs> uh, there was all... You know, in, in the same vein, the plot was itself. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't have to check in on three other different concurrent plots. The episode was self-contained. It was like a bottle show, you know, which helped to make the discovery seem like a more real place too. all the different shots we got of different locations. The, the log entry that Burnham was making at the beginning 
did a really nice job of creating a sense, uh, you know, like a slice of life yeah, on yeah. the ship. The party was a savvy choice. I I got over the music pretty quickly, I have to say, but you know, the the party as a setting was a savvy choice. It made Tilly seem, you know, uh, her age. much more well-rounded and her age. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the beer pong and all that kind of stuff. I thought the beer um, pong was a little precious along with the day glow solo cups, but I also, this is, a, this is a discussion I always have about, uh, it's like firefly. It's like they still use guns, even though they have lasers because guns work and would ostensibly be cheaper. It's like, okay, I get it. Not everything needs to be futurized. It was still <laughs> the, the jarring thing for me was just, I can't believe there's copyright. This is how you know they have a budget because they yeah. are paying for copywritten music. <laughs> they can play the Bee Gees, right? Right. It's like it's like TNG made you think everyone listened to nothing but classical because classical is in the public domain in the 20th well, century, and that has a nice way of not dating the show at all. You know, it makes the show feel more timeless because they're only referencing music that's 300 years old to us already. Yeah, you yeah. know. Um, so I mean, like it's a cute joke, like ha, staying alive. I get it. Well, they you picked, they, and they picked a reasonably old song. It's like it's old now, so it would still feel like. I mean, by the tenth time I heard it, I was like, okay, guys, I'm over it. You know, just like play a different song, you know, from the party or something. Um, the party scene was interesting in a number of ways. There was the obvious lesbian couple, uh, so they've covered another base in their LGBTQ. Uh, am I missing any letters, or have they added more? Uh, um, IA. I've seen it. I've seen it as LGBTQIA, LGBTQIA plus. Sometimes I've seen a second Q. I I like queer. I think it's a nice umbrella term that is has the benefit of being short, which is what yeah. I think a label is supposed to be. It's a label, yeah. not an inventory. Those those are a different thing. And I think it anyway, is a, moving on. Um, <laughs> they've they've covered another base. Yeah, um, that, there was the guy in the access. wheelchair. Um, yeah, they had a wheelchair guy. They had a lesbian couple. Um, you know, just generally, it was a nice scene, and and I didn't mind that they were there because it it made it feel like a real workplace where people like blow off steam and you know have relationships. And this had a harder edge, but it fits the the style and content of this show. Like this party would be a little more frat raver, like ra- like ra- like rather than a dignified you know hors d'oeuvre session because <laughs> yeah they're not all like discussing jane austen right and... i get it um i like saru a lot this episode he's 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 very good i if uh, based on the preview it looks like next week is, is going to be a saru focused episode and i'm excited like the little joke of him explaining how it's not a fish and the way he cuts himself off like he nailed that every time like it, it's like a, it's like a perfect little riff on like a data joke yeah, I can see that. It's still that. Um, I I get that Lorca is not a well man. And even when he was well, he was probably not a cuddly man. But it's weird. It just, it feels like, and, and they'll, and I, I suppose they're justifying it. They're doing their groundwork. It still makes me feel funny on the inside to see a Starfleet captain, like, open. Not care about life. Or, or not even that, just, just openly dismissive of his crew and their jobs i don't know it's just like it's like this make this makes me feel funny and i need an adult like an actual adult um <laughs> like captain no other captain would say i don't care what you do you of course you care what they do that's all starfleet is it's a bunch of people who care uh sorry it just it i know why they're doing it it still just makes me go uh a little bit a little bit um uh, speaking of um, character stuff, uh, I thought Burnham's secret was a bit on the lame side. Like, <laughs> that was really general. I've never been in love. It's like, would that really convince you? Well, also, with we could no, come, we could presume no that, further honestly. preamble. Yeah. It, I was really hoping yeah. for some deep secret about Giorgio or something. You know, like like just some some of the little meteor. Uh, honestly. I hate to say, if they had kept it whispered on both sides, if she had communicated it secretly and he communicated it back secretly. Yeah, would, I was I was annoyed when she whispered it, but then I was disappointed when they said it. Yeah, would you have been more annoyed if he had whispered it back? Would it have felt like a cheat? 
knowing what I know now, I wish they had just whispered it. <laughs> but I probably would have been annoyed that we were robbed of that character. You know, like maybe he could have whispered it back and then at the very end of the episode, you know, talked about it or something. Or a little bit, yeah. I mean, they had their scene where they were dancing, which, again, it it really... See- so Stamets was like, I need to see what I'm working with because he was, like, preparing her to then dance in the next loop with Tyler. Yeah, yeah. So I, she I, could I, convince him. And it's like, dude, she's not going to re- remember anything. You know? Are you going to somehow communicate the advice that you glean from this 20-minute dance-a-thon with her in, like, five seconds in the next loop? It, like... The scene worked, but it didn't work in the story because yeah. it seemed like the story was relying on her recalling things from that particular scene. And that's just not the setup that they've created. So there there were a lot of like little nagging issues like that to me. Yeah, I, I get it. It's It's not as clean as it might be. It doesn't pull away. Like, I, I, again, kind of like what I was like last week. Uh, with the little pieces of Burnham's story, even as problematic as they were, as the other elements might have been, she walked out of this episode incrementally more in, aware of her human emotions and capable of acting on them. Uh, I guess, but she only experienced thirty minutes, and she only experienced the last thirty minutes of of the episode, and so yeah. But I don't think they overpitched it. I don't. I don't think they. Um, I think they, I think they did good ground. I get it because in a more traditional Star Trek show, Burnham learns to love would be its own episode. Um, so the timing would be different. It, it, since the serialization is not going anywhere, getting mad about it is just a waste of energy. Um, I think they did a good job of adding a piece. Um, they showed, like this episode had a had a like a you know contained in its four walls. A cohesive story that, despite its taking advantage of the TVMA rating, um, had some energy and some comedy and some fun back and forth. And under all that was good character work, I think, for for Stamets, Burnham, and Tyler. And that works for me. Um, no, I, I do agree. I, I may sound like I'm being extra harsh here. I, I just, having been, you know kind of raised on sussing out problems <laughs> with other Trek shows who have done very, very similar plots. Um, you know, it, it's hard for me to turn that part off. Uh, it works. It was entertaining. I, I liked the time element. I, w- I was, I was consistently entertained throughout I liked the character work, though I question how much of it can go forward as, you know, permanent, uh, with the exception of Stamets. Um, you know, we kind of skipped over the Harry Mudd ending. Uh, so, Stella. Nowhere in the TOS stuff was there any indication of this Baron character who is, you know, Stella's father and financial benefactor. Um they also cast a really young actress compared to the image that we got of Stella. And I get it. Actors don't all look the same. But Lady looked like 50 to 60 years old, as did the actor who played Harry Mudd uh, in TOS. And so this like sort of like Greek shipping magnet princess hoochie mama that they got kind of just like, seemed incongruous to me yeah um how old is rain wilson he's got to be 55 years old i mean maybe maybe just pushing 50 but you know there's a considerable age difference you know on screen between the two there's no reason for it given that we see her portrayed as the same age as her husband when she's on screen he is 51 so yeah yeah come on guys guys come on Come on, give me. I am not per se opposed to a relationship with an age difference. It, uh, every relationship is different, and blah 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 blah. I would just like to see you break the mold and have a man in his fifties 
date a woman in his in her 50s they exist they continue to date just please please <laughs> well and but because of it the dynamics were like off yeah. and weird yeah i didn't know? get like quite the i mean the setup was cute and they name check stella i get what they were doing um some of the just the emotional reads in that scene were weird it didn't quite yeah uh, also, I mean, like, it it seemed like an oddly uh, light punishment, too. Now, granted, you know, none of the crew except for Stamets, you know, lived through all the death and murder and destruction and all that stuff. But, um, you know, it, it's like, even in the final loop, this guy tried to take over your ship, sell you to the Klingons, you know, and possibly kill people and you're just like eh we'll send you with your your main squeeze and her overbearing daddy ha 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 it was it was almost like a laugh to the credits which is a very which is a very tos ending sure it's a very tos thing to do um but in tos harry mudd didn't you know like murder people from the inside out well he did he he was essentially a glorified pimp i mean you know, shades of gray here. Um, I get well, what you're but... saying. It was totally very weird. The, the, the comedic ending didn't make quite make sense for the somewhat vicious horror show we were subjected to. I appreciate that. Well, or the prior six episodes. I mean, this is like dark Trek. This is like, you know, this world is serious and people are upset about things. And... <laughs> So it, it's strange to have a laugh to the credit style ending in a world that's that way. Um, okay. Have we discussed the aspects of the plot that require discussion? I think so. We, we could do it again in, for another half hour. Sure. Um, as far as acting goes, you know, I, because they put Burnham in situations where she felt awkward um the vulcanness of her line readings was much more apparent this episode uh in i think a good way yeah yeah uh, i mean I'm, I'm a little divided on it because it's it's a little jarring based on the fact that it's a human character maybe based on just it being you know Sonequa martin green uh i i guess i'm not i don't watch uh walking the Dead. zombie I don't watch that show because um, I'd like to have like lightness and joy in my life, um, you know. But it's a it's a very distinctive line reading that she does, you know, and it definitely does seem Vulcanish. Yeah, no, it's it's up there. I I, I think she does a good job of infusing her lines beneath the surface with their emotional heft while not being overtly emotional. Well, so I think I need to see more before I can sort of render a definitive verdict on if it's, you know, like Nimoy level where he definitely does that or whether it's something else. You know, it's it's good. I just don't know how good yet, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, but I, I enjoy watching it. So that's so that's a good thing. Um, for all I mean. For all the problems, characterization-wise, uh, Rain Wilson was again enjoyable as Harry Mudd. If Harry Mudd is this dark psychopath now, I guess, although he'll get better in ten years. Um, Federation maybe, rehabilitation colonies are the best. Well, maybe ten years of uh, Stella's affections will, you know, mellow him out or something. <laughs> um, although he'll then escape to become an, you know, intergalactic pimp. Um, Rain Wilson was quite enjoyable uh, he plays a good villain um, he plays a good sort of puckish uh, villain definitely Yeah. so that was enjoyable um, I, I'm glad they got Stamets back to the uh, sort of prickly Stamets because that, the bubbly Stamets was getting a little old for me I have to say um wasn't a big fan 
of yeah. that. So I'm glad that they gave him more urgency again and more of that edge. I like the edge on his character. I like the way that, uh, is it Paul Rapp? Is that his name? Anthony Rapp. Anthony Rapp. I like the way he portrays that edge. So I'm glad they went back to that. Um, there's some nice stuff with uh, him and, uh, what's his name? Ricky. <laughs> That's not Ricky. Uh, Wilson Cruz. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, who the hell was that other doctor guy? Can I just ask? Like, I never saw him close enough to read the fucking infinitesimal badge stuff. Like, I was like, is this the CMO? That I, we've been well, I thought he was see? like their bio- like xenobiologist or zoologist or something, given, you know, what yeah. he was there for. It, it's hard to say with this show because because they have a budget, they're giving everybody lines. And so they're they're paying everybody at a speaking rate. <laughs> and so it's hard to tell who I should actually care about because everybody's talking <laughs> in prior Trek shows. I knew if they didn't talk that I did not have to care about them because they didn't have the budget to make that person talk. Um, so yeah, that's different. Um, yeah, you know, you're right about, uh, Lorca. He was kind of cranky. Yeah. In a, in a kind of not pleasant way. Um, I, I don't think I can fault the performance for that. No, no, he's doing what they're asking. Um, Did any, anybody else stand out? Uh, I, I, oh, I, Tilly was good. Yeah, I, and I continue to love Saru. Um, he he just, even when he's like not the main character, he's just this little spice and it works, it works well. Um, yeah, he had a pretty minor role in this, but what he did do, he did well. Yeah, um, I liked... I like Tyler. He ha- like if 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 it's if it is Vok pretending to be human, he's doing a top-notch job. <sighs> yeah. I If they don't so if our suspicions, the internet's suspicions, if it's if it all pans out the way we think it's going to, I sure as hell hope that they create some kind of rationale for how human he is able to act, you know. There is no spy, no Klingon, no alien that's going to be able to mimic that level of, you know, flirtatiousness, uh, you know, ease in social situations, mastery of human, you know, custom and idiom. And it's just no fucking way, you know. So they better make it some kind of thing where he's like grafted onto an actual human and has all of his memories and you know is just like dormant or something because otherwise it makes no sense and i will be very annoyed yeah uh i like the chemistry uh i'm wondering how much of that flowed from seeing them interact and then writing around it or if it was always planned but i they're they, they both have a kind of for different reasons a little standoffishness that plays well together and he is very tall he is not as tall as Doug Jones but he is still quite tall it's also possible Sonequa Martin-Green is also tiny but I think she's short I don't think Doug Jones is as tall as the characters <laughs> so, made up yeah to. yeah <laughs> um I mean like he's wearing like hoof shoes oh can we talk about shoes for a second when they were dancing it looks like they're wearing like keds or something it does not look like boots it looks like sneakers it just it caught my eye this time but then this doctor guy was wearing like these giant boots it was very weird um yeah no the the uniform in the sort of unzipped state was interesting uh i think it mostly worked okay um they emphasized the collar a lot more in this episode too, uh, and I don't know how I feel about the collar. I guess I like it. I mean, it's interesting. It's different. Uh, it it's more interesting than the stupid color scheme. So there's that. <laughs> um, so effects wise, the space whale looked really nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the. Sundry disintegration events were the all... dark matter crystals. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 they. I mean, look, they certainly spent their money, and you could see the money on the screen, right? So there's that. Um, I, 
I have questions about how you like hold these things. Right. You know, like when does it go off? Is it when it hits something at a certain like uh, level of momentum or cause she swallowed it and that was enough to start it at, but mud was apparently able to carry these things up to the desk and just put them there. Yeah. You know, how volatile is this? Yeah. Stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the effect for the Varanteed Disruptor was shockingly well done. I mean, like you said, they spent their money. I kind of wish that were the only one. You know? Like, I think I might be far more charitable to Murderous Mud. I Like, I was with Stamets. I can't watch any more people be vaporized. Uh, well, yeah. It, it certainly would have changed uh, the overall feeling. I did like when he beamed Lorca out into space and he saw him kind of like convulse. <laughs> yeah. it, I mean, it's an effect that they would not have been able to do yeah. otherwise. Yeah. And, you know, that was pretty good. Um, hmm. uh, I like the camera work for a lot of the loops, like uh, framing mud, knowing where people are walking and when and when to like hide from them. Like that was well achieved. Um, what else? Uh, was there a lot other effects? This was kind of a bottle show. It was just a lot of scenes on the ship, which is good because we haven't spent... No, I want more of the ship because it makes me actually think it's a real place. Um, hmm. I mean, as far as production notes, I mean, there, there was a lot of music. Um, you know, the party scene itself definitely read as party it worked um you, i mean you're definitely right about the sort of uh fratty kind of feel to the party definitely felt like a frat rager yeah. uh which i mean you know these are all young attractive people they're gonna want to hook up i guess that's cool uh, <laughs> We're such funny duddies. No, it's a, it. It's just it is different. I that is not a moral judgment. It just it is fact. It is a it is a different kind of party than we have ever n- normally seen portrayed in Star Trek. So yeah. take that as you will. Um, yeah. Overall, it, I think it was a very strong episode as far as uh, production values go, as have been most of the episodes. We got more extended looks at the phaser, which is very close to the TOS phaser, but yeah. not quite. Uh, it it had these sort of like a three lens look on the front, which was similar to the cage, which of course I'm all for. I'm into it. Um, you know, they did some beaming of giant creatures that seemed like it was kind of out of the realm of what was purportedly capable in TOS, but whatever, you know, it's like a, we have to get over that, I guess. It's just, you know, this isn't TOS, and they're not going to try, you know. They're not going to try to meld the levels of technology in a way that's going to be satisfying to anybody, um, as far as I can tell. So you just got to get over the continuity issues, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think I'm able, I'm capable and willing. Um, you know, it's just if they keep bringing up stuff. Yeah, this, despite... Just to flout stuff. Yeah, despite centering so much on mud, this felt the least prequel-y somehow. Maybe because it's Mud who appeared twice as comic relief, as opposed to Sarek who had like a many series and movies long arc. Like this felt the it, it was the least serial and the least prequely. I I would I would have enjoyed it more had it not been Harry Mud. <laughs> you know, it could have been any other character. Yeah, yeah, like we and said, it would have had less baggage. Yeah, you're just inviting all of these questions we're asking, and then you make fun of us for asking. Then just don't put it in. Don't make it a prequel. There, problem solved. Like so, honestly, if they went back and said, "Our bad, we forgot to move a decimal point," it's actually negative a hundred years before next gen, before TOS. Or like, if they just said, "Pretend." It all takes place a thousand years in the future. I'd say that's fine. You don't even need to change any of the dialogue. 
almost none of it, really. <laughs> uh, moving on. It's like, can't, can't stay mad. It's, uh, it's uh, harsh on my bus. Um, overall, I, I, I've been like lightly reading the first paragraphs of reviews uh, without digging too deep because I didn't get to watch it till today. But the consensus, is, like one, I think io9 flat out said this is the best episode so far. And I'm hard pressed to disagree with that assessment. Like, I think there might be more in the, you know, opening two-parter a bit. But in terms of, like, a cohesive 45 minutes of entertainment that grows the characters and tells a fun, energetic story, this hits all those bumpers. I agree. There, in in the pilot, for instance, there were 10-minute stretches that might have been better than this. But the overall whole was kind of a mess. Yeah. You know, whereas this was like 35 minutes of really cohesive stuff with five minutes of mess, you know, uh, and, and the mess stuff didn't detract that much from just generally enjoying it as a plot. Yeah. It, uh, in and of itself. Um, it, it, it is, felt the, it felt the most Star Trek. Yeah. It is something sure. to, think about with the you know age of serialization and binge watching i wonder how much they're learning from each episode and i think that's something that would be different if they were producing these in order to be aired in order um week by week whereas like i get the impression that a lot of the production was done before um any of the episodes aired so yeah, I, this, I want... is, this has all just been in the can for months, as far as I can tell. Right. So it's like, how much course correcting can they do? Like, like I hope they have a meeting at the end of the season and say, and uh, that the consensus of every reasonable viewer, not just us picky, picky, picky bastards, is everything that's not the prequel actually works really well. The Klingons are terrible, and then they course correct. Like, if this don't get me. It, if if this show grows Riker's beard in a successful way, it will be a really, really, really good show. Like, if they trim the fat for the stuff that just doesn't work, I think this could be a fantastic show. Right now, it's a good to very good show, depending on the moment. Yeah, I think it's... Uh, <laughs> I would say it's a solid show. It's got the elements it needs to have to be enjoyable uh, but they've they've bogged it down with a bunch of stuff that is doing more harm than good um, and I agree I hope they can just get rid of that stuff because <laughs> it would be so much more enjoyable if they could um, I don't know I don't know how if they're going to so as an episode um, I mean it's no cause and effect cause and effect is better right it like this i could imagine someone arguing that this does more to develop characters well for one thing tng didn't need to when cause and effect aired because they had already done that work uh but for another thing um all the character development we got was essentially erased by the end of the episode so I don't see how that's that much of an argument in its favor. Um, you know, this was like a poor man's cause and effect, which that's a good thing as far as I'm concerned. I'll take a poor man's cause and effect any day, right? We gave cause and effect a five each for a total of ten. Um, I think this is less than that. The question is just how much less. I'm going to say I think I think it's a four. There... Uh... There's a consistent high entertainment value, a competent handling of a time loop story, which, you know, can go off the rails. Um, the, I have some quite like, this is a well-executed time loop story that does good character work. It is held back from a five uh, by some of the tonal problems, both in the extremity of Mud's madness and the cuteness of the solution short of those things and some of the uh, implications of how information is transmitted through the loops is a little fuzzier than it needed to be but I, I, I'm still comfortable calling it a four I think this is if, if the assessment is correct that this is the best episode 
uh, of Discovery so far that it has to at least tie the high the highest rating we've given previous episodes of Discovery. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, <laughs> I, I was thinking for when I was done watching this uh, yesterday. Yeah. You know, um, I kind of complained myself into thinking maybe it's less than that, but at the end of the day, I. I agree. I think it's a four overall. Um, like, yeah, it's it's, at some it's point, the most Star Trek that this has been so far. Yeah, at, at and, some point you just have to like live with. If they make a choice I disagree with, but they do it competently, that is that is just life. Um, I sadly am not the intellectual property holder for the Star Trek franchise, uh, but if wishing made it so, um, so it's like. The thing I'll say it this way: problems we have had with other episodes get a little bit stickier into competency of the story being told. This feels like the stuff I have issues with is just they made a different choice. They, the, the, there's nothing wrong. Like if you accept the stylistic choices that Kurtzman and Fuller made, this episode works really well inside those choices. It is definitely the best example of those choices in practice. So I, it's just like, would I have, like, I can't say I'm annoyed at this episode because it's a prequel because that it's start, I think it kind of overburdens any individual episode with a, with a structural choice we knew going in. Like, for whatever my problems with this episode are, they're because I disagree with certain zero hour choices made by the production staff. Accepting those choices as an unalterable reality, I think this episode does a good, a very good job overall of telling me a story inside the, the the four walls they've built. So, I can I can live. Still, still better than the Abrams stuff. <laughs> yeah, um, I cannot bring myself to believe that Kurtzman had anything to do with what works about this episode. <laughs> And that he's responsible for the things I dislike, the structural things that we both dislike, uh, and that other writers and showrunners and creators are responsible for the things that worked because they actually understand Star Trek, or more so than Kurtzman has demonstrated, you know, ever in any of his past projects, which have all been horrendous. Um, but you know that's it's purely speculation on my part. <laughs> uh, I, I just can't. I don't know. It seems like it's either something you get or you don't get. Like, if he hasn't learned it by now, I don't see how he can learn it, right? So anything that's flashy, any lens flares, any pointless character references that shouldn't be there or needn't be there, like I feel like that's his input. And then like anything that works qua story and anything that is reminiscent of actual Star Trek is just either Brian Fuller or Joe Minoski or someone else you know that that's where I am on Alex Kurtzman I you know I hope he's listening but I doubt it I doubt it <laughs> because if he listened to any podcast or read any reviews he'd be like oh wow yeah I can see how those choices I made really pissed people off. And yet those guys are right. They don't fit at all. Huh. Boy, I should rethink this whole thing. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's a dedicated fan and he just disagrees with everybody. You know? <laughs> I don't know. I have uh, a friend uh, I was talking to did say that she has seen the least the, the show she has seen the least is TOS so she watched Next Gen Deep Space Nine Voyager and thus feels less married to the continuity problems uh, or less concerned than the about the continuity problems presented just for want of having engaged it in the first place which I think might be true of a lot of fans in our age cohort um, sure sure I can appreciate that it it she is enjoying the show. Uh, her point was she doesn't need as much Star Trek, explicit Star Trek philosophizing because it can be taken as read. Um, that it would actually detract for her to have a Starfleet officer expounding explicitly on Starfleet ideals that um, we can take as read. And I'm, 
I get her point. I don't agree with it 100%. But, I, I would be happier you stop if it was somewhere in the middle. As, when do you stop taking it as red when, like, 35 out of 45 minutes seem roughly contradictory to it? You know, no, and, how, and many, I, how I, many episodes does it take before you're like, huh, these people just don't believe that stuff anymore? And I, 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 I agree. I, I don't 100% agree with her point, but it was an interesting perspective. And she is enjoying the show much more than I am. So maybe there's something to be said for her point of view. <laughs> Man. It's like she, she can watch it in a way that brings her greater utility than I. So may, may, uh, 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 infinite diversity in infinite combinations. It is, But uh, the way that I watch it brings greater utility to other Star Trek. So... <laughs> And that's like 700 hours worth. So, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I'm still here. I'll, I'll be here f- at least till the winter break. I mean, the ch- there, I would say there's a non-zero chance that they'll do something at the winter break to really piss me off to the point that I'm just like, ugh, I can't. I think that's increasingly unlikely. Unless, uh, yeah, unless the reveal is Ash as a Klingon. If that's the winter break reveal, I'm going to be pretty pissed until the spring. Yeah. But I am, I, I say with more enthusiasm, the good things here are very good. And like, uh, like, like, like returning to a dysfunctional relationship, I, uh, it's enough to keep me hanging on. Well, so the next episode preview, now that'll be the eighth episode, so that'll be yeah. the... That'll be the break episode. No, uh, I think they said nine. They're going to do nine. Yeah. They they were going to do eight. Now they're going to do nine. It seems like they're going to kill somebody or remove somebody. Um, Like, it can't be Saru, right? Because he's like the fan favorite. Um, Even though that's the way the preview is cut to make it look. Um, Is it going to be the Admiral? Is it going to be like... We got a flash of her face... uh, behind what I could only describe as a terror speculum. <laughs> um, is it going to be Lorca? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't or, know. G- give it... Uh, I've... St- I stopped trusting trailers back in Voyager. Um, Star Trek, for some reason, cannot cut together... Uh, you know what it is? It's not trusting the fans. Uh, as far back as Voyager, I distinctly recall... Uh, it's the one that stands out in my memory is the most egregious. Uh, it's uh, Elogium when Cass gets uh, is in a position to be pregnant. The trailer explicitly suggests the drama will be a who's the daddy story. And it flashed to like Neelix, Tom, and Chakotay. And it's like, that is not the episode and everything you've just said is wrong. And I, I hope you've lived a miserable and unhappy life for doing... It just, it was so dumb. So I've... I think they think if, or it's like even with the trailer for this, my species has evolved to a se- to sense death. Turned out to be a metaphor in which he really meant my species is highly attuned to risk because we have been predated upon since time immemorial. That is a much more interesting, much more credible line. But the way they put it in the trailer, it's like, is he literally just going to be like, I sense death, the way Troy sensed deception? Like, they are bad at trailers, largely because good Star Trek is almost kind of not reducible to a trailer. It's not like, stay tuned for the next exciting philosophical conversation on Star Trek. The next year, you can't do that. It doesn't, it doesn't make a trailer. So they always were like Frankensteining together some answer. Whatever, fa- whatever phaser blasts they could find. Right, right. It's just like, I guarantee you there's some preview of like, like the, the episode when Riker goes to the Klingon ship and they discuss it on the phaser range. I guarantee you the trailer is the phaser range. It's like, so I have learned to not trust the trailers. Um, I could easily see Lorca saying this officer is gone, but the time to grieve him. Isn't now mistakenly believing an officer is dead. That is a card. Star Trek has played many times. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a card. All TV has played many times. I shouldn't rag on Star Trek specifically for that. So I could see them thinking someone is dead erroneously, and that being the source of the quote, without breaking a sweat. So this episode, it just squeaks into a four for me. Um, There are things that sorely annoy me, but I can't deny that overall it basically worked. Uh, And it had really good acting and production values. So, yeah. Um, 
That makes an eight total. Pretty good. Yeah. I I hope we have more self-contained, less serialized, less Klingon-heavy stories. If they just do that, you know, they're bound to hit, you know, probably fifty percent of the time. You know, just just well, based on. Like Deep Having Space Nine, players and good actors. I mean, even leading into prior to the home stretch, Deep Space Nine was getting more serialized, and I enjoyed it fine. And I think they were better at telling self-contained stories that fit into their larger arcs or impacted their larger arcs. But it's not like until the the final arc, which was special. It was special. Um, I think the serial works better after you've gotten a bunch of episodes under your belt, yeah. frankly, because. By then, we care about the characters. They've each been given their due spotlight. And, and you, you can know. take things as read in a way that yes. you can't off the bat. I, I, I get that. All right, still, 8 out of 10 is not bad. Uh, I, no, I, good. I thoroughly enjoyed this good. episode. I was happy to see a competently executed time thing. I like the care. I, I continue, if, if Saru, Burnham, and I'll add uh, Stamets and, and uh, Colbert... We're just on a shuttle together and taking a road trip somewhere. I would enthusiastically watch that show. I like those characters enough that they are carrying me through many, many other things. So, all right. All right. We'll be back here next week for uh, whatever happens to Saru. And I, I hope he's fine. I, I really do. Yeah. Uh, until then, uh, have a good night. Okay. Live long and prosper.